Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness. If you'd like to support our show, we have a couple discount codes you can use on some of our personal favorite products. The first is our favorite workout footwear, Vivo Barefoot. Vivos are the best of the best when it comes to minimal footwear, and the Primus Lights are the shoes you see us wearing in all of our Instagram content. You can save 10% off your entire purchase with the code PAK10. That's P-A-K-1-0. Just go to www.vivobarefoot.com or click the link in our show notes to get a pair today. The second is for our favorite supplement brand, Legion. We've tried so many different supplement brands over the years, and right now nothing beats Legion. Our current go-tos are the whey protein powder, pulse pre-workout, creatine, and immune support because if you listen to this show, you know our kids are constantly bringing home new viruses from school. We almost always turn down partnership deals because we only ever want to work with brands that we use and love ourselves, and we actually reached out to Legion to partner because we love it so much. You can use code PAK20, that's P-A-K-2-0, for 20% off your first order and then double loyalty points for subsequent orders, which is the equivalent of 10% cash back. Just go to www.legionathletics.com or click the link in our show notes. Using our codes really helps to support our show and it saves you money at the same time, so we think it's a win-win. Okay, with that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. We are back. I have a cold, so I'm sorry for a little bit of a nasally sound today. We both, well, I'm always nasally, so we're going to have a nasally episode. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but we are going to be on... Ooh, are we allowed to talk about it? We haven't gotten like a non-disclosure. I think we're allowed to talk about it. We'll just go with it. But we are going to be on the show on the 10th of April? Yeah. On Monday, and yeah, this is a, a, a. I'm like a little bit nervous for sure. I know, but I mean, I, we're used to being in front of a camera, so I feel like we should be okay. That's true, but the the nerve wracking part is that it's really fast. It's we're, like four oh, yeah. to five minute segment. Even when we filmed <laughs> like a preview for the producer of like this is what we'll probably do, we were thinking we were filming like a two minute video, and it was five minutes, and we were like, <laughs> oh no, this is not gonna be good. <laughs> So yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Yeah, it <laughs> should go great. Yeah, I mean, we'll um, once it actually happens, we'll include a link in the show notes of the episode after it happens, so yeah. everybody can go watch. Yeah, yeah. And we're also making a trip out of it. So yes. we are. It's in New York, so we're going to go to the city and spend an extra. My parents so graciously offered to graciously. watch the kids for an extra day, so that we could have an extra day in the city. So. Yeah, we're just going to be doing basically like a food and gym tour, we decided, because <laughs> that's pretty much all we do. <laughs> I've already made reservations. We're going to Gramercy, Gramercy Tavern for dinner the first night we get there, then a place called Crown Shy. These are all recommendations from one of our friends. And we got, we're going to get lunch at Emily West Village or Emily Burger or something. Well, no, Emily, well, I don't, it's not definitely not called Emily Burger. Yeah. It's just called like Emily. It was called Emily WV West oh. Village. For the restaurant name, but it's a pizza place apparently. Yeah, so first and foremost. So I've been there for a bachelorette party, yeah. and we got pizza there, and it was awesome. Like I loved the vibe, and I loved the pizza. But then we listened to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman, and they are obsessed with 
the, an, they always call it an Emily burger. And I never really like thought much about it. And then one time they were mentioning that it's in New York and it's a burger from a place called Emily. And I was like, wait, I've been there. <laughs> and I was like, I have to get the burger because I got pizza. And so I've been, we've been thinking about this burger because of that podcast for a long time. So we're very excited. To I try feel like it. they talk about it every other episode. It's yes. always like, and, and like everyone should know about it kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to actually try it out. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have a little food tour. We're going to visit some local gyms, get some workouts in, maybe film some content, and it's going to be awesome. We, Lauren and I used to do a lot of trips to New York over the holidays, and we had this tradition where we made it a yearly thing, um, and it's going to be cool to do it again, sans kids, just for like a couple days, Yeah, and uh, go like, I don't know, have like a little like date trip almost. Yeah, it really <laughs> does feel like a little getaway. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be nice. We love, obviously we love being with our kids, but we don't get a lot of time, just the two of us yeah. outside of work. So it should be fun. We're excited. All right. So for today's episode, we are going to do five lifting tips you probably don't know, but will instantly boost your gains. Boom. So these are Are you be, not intrigued? <laughs> who is excited? Um, we were just thinking about things that, like little details that we would tell our members at the gym or we tell people in our rise group or we do ourselves that really just take an exercise or a movement to the next level, like really just without having to do progressive overload, without having to spend months in the gym, like something that you can do in the moment that gives you an extra, like allows you to put an extra 10 pounds on the bar <laughs> immediately just yeah. from making some little changes. So tip number one is treat your setup like your first rep. Yeah, this one is so important and will make a massive difference in terms of your output for any single exercise. Like if you think about a basketball player going through their free throw warm-up routine. They always have something that they do. Like maybe they dribble the ball twice. They spin the ball in their hand. There's something that they do to like get in the zone to prepare themselves for the actual rep, in which case is a free throw. But in your case, you want to have this preset routine that you do before every single lift and really treat that whole pre-lift process as its own repetition in itself. Mm. And this is what we see with uh, less experienced lifters where they'll go and kind of just like haphazardly grab the bar for a deadlift or just kind of sloppily get underneath the bar for a back squat. You want to make sure that you're really treating that whole pre-rep routine very like respectfully <laughs> and going through that process because you want to make sure that you set yourself up in the same way every single time and approach each lift with a lot of intention. Yeah, I think that setting yourself up the same way every time is such a huge point because the more it, it creates this sort of like muscle memory um, situation where you are, as soon as you get start like basically get going into that routine your body's like okay i'm starting to prepare to lift this weight like you just kind of get into the right mindset and into the right positioning so it's kind of a double whammy here is that you're on one side it's like when you were talking about the free throws that's more of like a mental preparation and then on the other hand they are doing that and they end it with getting the ball in the right position, mm, right? Yeah. And the ball gets into the right position at the exact same time in the exact same way every single time so that they're ready to go ahead and throw. And if they just started doing something random and grab the ball, 
the maybe the where the little lines are is a little different. Like I'm sure that it's so specific to them where they want their hand to be on the ball and everything like that in order to set themselves up for success. And the same thing goes for a deadlift. If you just run up to the bar and you don't even think about it and you just grab on and you don't even know if your hands are perfectly even mm. on the bar that little inch off is going to make a massive difference in how that deadlift feels and you're going to feel off balance. You're going to feel like less strong. So having a routine isn't just about mentally preparing yourself, but it's also about physically preparing yourself. Yeah. As you start to get more and more experienced and more mindful about this whole process, you're going to notice like you're going to notice that different barbells feel different. Yeah. They have different landmarks, different knurling. You're going to notice that different plates have a different feeling and you're going to start to be a little bit particular particular about what you're doing because you want to treat your whole setup process in the same way each and every time. And you know, something that's funny is when we are filming, we're often not doing our whole setup routine. Sometimes we're filming like let's say a bench press completely out of the rack and then yeah. we realize oh, we do this whole setup routine before we get the bar in position, but because the rack isn't there, now we have to try to do it without it. It feels so foreign, even though we've obviously bench pressed or squatted like thousands and thousands of times. But basically you want to get to that point where you are rehearsing this thing so closely that you can just do it on command at all times. And it's really this whole mindset shift of treating that setup process as your first repetition is going to make a huge difference in your gains. Yeah. And so this can apply to really any lift, but let's talk about, let's give an example of what that could look like for a couple of different lifts. So yeah. for the deadlift, for instance, the setup could be you walk up to the bar and you first take note of where the bar is over your foot. So mm-hmm. make sure that it's right over your laces. Then you grab the bar with both hands at the same time and make sure that it's equally against the knurling. Then you pull up on the bar and drop your hips down and get into position. And all of this is very calculated and very intentional. And then you lift. It's not walk up to the bar, grab on and lift. It's like there's three or four steps that you're taking to just set yourself up for success. The squat, same thing. You grab the bar with both hands. You pull yourself underneath. You wiggle the bar into position on your back. You lift it up out of the rack. You take two steps back. Like all of these things are intentional and they're focused effort in order to get ready for the lift. Yeah. So the next time you're in the gym, just start to think about slowing yourself down before you go into your first repetition of whatever you're doing. Even if it's just an accessory lift, still think about setting your feet. Think about how your your body is positioned. Like just take a moment to consider how you're standing and how you're setting up before you actually go into the exercise. And it really is going to make a big difference. All right. And number two actually kind of goes hand in hand with number one, but this is to approach the lift with some gusto. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really about when you are like about to do your lift, like before your setup, actually. This one could have been first, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, but this is like getting in the right headspace to actually perform the lift. Yeah. So this is something that we would reference often with our members who, you know, they would come in and let's say they were a complete beginner and they're going through the progressions and over the course of a few months, they start to get really strong and they haven't really processed in their minds that they're actually starting to get really strong. (laughs) And so let's say they're approaching the bar for a squat. At this point, they're getting to a pretty appreciable load and they're still approaching the squat as if they were on day one when maybe they were just squatting with the bar, but now they're with 
95 pounds or 135 pounds. And what we often tell them is like, okay, now the weight is getting pretty serious. You have to start getting into a little bit, like have a little bit more yeah, gusto, energy, vigor behind the lift where you go in, grab the bar firmly and just have this mindset of, I'm going to go and take this bar for a ride <laughs> and it's going to do whatever I tell it to instead of like, kind of meekishly going meekishly. up to, meek, meekishly <laughs> going up to the bar and kind of getting underneath and be like okay whatever happens happens and then squat down <laughs> and up but actually going in and just firmly just i don't know attacking the bar <laughs> yeah i mean i think when we were we were brainstorming this one you had said like put yourself in control rather than like that you're going to take the bar for a ride rather than the bar is going to take you for a ride. Yeah. Really, it is like you are in control of the situation. You are putting all of your effort, all of your mental energy into standing up out of the bottom of the squat or picking the bar up off the floor, whatever it is, like you're, you're completely all the way there and focused on that lift. Yeah. You see people like, you know, people that are competing in powerlifting and they're at the top echelon of their sport, you'll notice that they do stuff to just get into the zone, whether it's like clapping their hands together or clapping their thighs or like their coach will smack them on their <laughs> back or something will happen and then they'll go up to the bar and they'll stomp their feet. They'll grab the bar and kind of like pull it off the floor a few times. And I'm not saying that you have to go and just have <laughs> all this <laughs> toxic masculinity going on out there, but just... Be very intentional and be like, okay, I'm going to own this rep and go go in there just sort of thinking about I'm going to attack this bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, this one can definitely quickly and easily cross the line over to like, <laughs> it's a little bit toxic. Yeah. I mean, I, you'll see definitely, and if you kind of like follow fitness accounts in general, like you'll see the people who like just like clap a bunch of chalk in the air <laughs> and then stomp up to the bar and they're so over the top and you're like, okay, this is just a deadlift. Like there is yeah. like kind of like, <laughs> there's a spectrum and a scale where we kind of want to rein it in sometimes. <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously if you're competing or if you're lifting really heavy weights, like you have to be serious about it. And I think that's kind of what it is, what it comes down to is just like be serious about it, take it seriously and appreciate the fact that you're lifting heavy yeah. and that you actually need to be all the way Maybe dialed in and there yeah intensity i think might be the word of like you have to bring intensity over consistency no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> and you know something that helps a lot of people is uh listening to music yeah music that obviously kind of amps you up a little bit and kind of brings your system up you don't want to necessarily just be listening to like uh bob dylan or <laughs> something <laughs> low-key like that but something that amps you up and then a lot of people will wait till like the perfect the drop of the beat or like the perfect part of the song where it amps them up and then they go into the lift and just little tricks like that can really just amp out a big percentage of additional gains yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there it's funny because we're always taking such a reasonable approach, right? So sometimes we are saying kind of the opposite of this. So I kind of <laughs> want to explain where we're coming from, which is you do whatever you want to do in terms of getting yourself ready for the lift and whatever. Like if you like to listen to a podcast while you're lifting, like we're definitely not saying that those <laughs> things are bad, but we are saying that there are ways to sort of get in the zone when you really want to focus on today. I want to lift more today. I want to like see what I can do if you're going for a max out or if you are just like needing to get like yourself going, like there's some strategies to do that. And sometimes putting on some music that gets you pumped up or just 
telling the bar, I'm about to take you for a ride, like whatever it is, just kind of allowing those strategies to be there so that you can pull them out when you need them. Sidebar, Lauren and I have completely different ways of getting amped up. Yeah. And Lauren loves when people are supporting her and cheering her on. Like, let's say she's about to bench press and I'm like, all right, Lauren, you got this. And then, you know, we have other people nearby be like, Lauren, you got this. Let's go. Come on, Lauren. And she gets happy, (laughs) amped up, jacked up. When I'm going for a PR, I don't want anyone around. I I do want a spot, obviously. I want someone to lift the bar off. But I instruct them, like, I I don't want you to really, like, talk to me. I just want to be in my own element. I want to be in my own zone. And Lauren would often forget this when we were first, like, working out together because she loves just the positive affirmations. But literally, I would be – the bar would be in my hands And it would be a weight that I knew that I could rep out for probably three reps or so. And she would say, all right, you got this. Come on. (laughs) And I would get like stapled by the lift. Like it's just all my energy would be. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I just mentally get into this one place and like one little word can throw me off of that path. But it's it's fun. Like people just have different ways of getting amped up and all that yeah different love languages different gym languages you know it's all the same (laughs) all right so both of those kind of had some like more mental components to them but this one number three is very much a like a physical awareness situation so tip number three is to understand the rib cage and pelvis connection and how to breathe into that connection for all exercises this one we would spend at our gym the first three months of our program, the priority, it was like our main lift, was trying to get people to understand how to get their rib cage over their pelvis. So yeah, what we're talking about here is try to, like I would physically grab your rib cage right now and find the lowest point. And that's the part which tends to flare out the most when you are lifting. And take note of where your hips are. And Typically, most people are going to be in a position where the hips are behind the ribs. And, you know, having a slight deviation there is perfectly normal and good. But when you are lifting, a lot of people will exaggerate that arch in their lower back and that separation between their rib cage and their hips. And they end up putting a lot of pressure on their lower back. And then not only that, they also lose a lot of stability because they're really sort of lengthening that area. And what you want to think about is if you've ever heard of gymnasts or calisthenics, calisthenics people talking about a hollow body position, this is similar to a hollow body position where you're trying to get those two points and get them closer together. And what ends up happening, if you look at yourself from the side and try to do that, you're actually stacking your rib cage over your pelvis and it looks like a cylinder basically. And so we want to get rid of a big arch and try to bring that more to a neutral position. And then after you find that neutral position, if you're able to breathe in deeply into your stomach and create tension in in that area, you're able to develop a lot of intra-abdominal stability and strength, and you're able to output a lot more force because of that positioning and breathing pattern. And so what you'll notice with powerlifters and Olympic lifters and people that are moving very large amounts of weight, you'll always notice that they get into position, they set their rib cage over their pelvis, they'll take a really deep breath and then brace on top of it and then 
push, you know, a ton of weight because of that. Um, and they know that inherently that if they have a bar on their back or if their bar is on the collarbone for an overhead lift, they know that a big arch in their lower back is just a really poor platform to press off of. And they really try to get into a more stacked position. Yeah. Yeah. As you were explaining that, one thing that I want to clarify that could have been a little bit confusing is the hollow body positioning part because a lot of times people are so extended that we need to get them to feel like they're in a hollow body position, but it actually is neutral. So just to clarify that is what we're, we're not actually looking for hollow because that actually brings your rib cage and your pelvis toward each other more than neutral. Yeah. So it's sense. less stacked and more like flexed forward. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're looking for stacked, like we're looking for just your ribs are sitting directly over your pelvis. And one way that we liked to introduce that was with wall marching. So this was a exercise where, and we still like this, <laughs> where you land your back against with your head, like a couple inches away from a wall. And you are actually going to press your hands into the wall behind you and bring your legs up so that your knees are bent at 90 degrees. And so from this position, sometimes getting into this position alone and bringing your ribs down so that you are kind of decreasing that arched position was enough to make people start to shake. And like it was really hard to just even get into position to do an exercise. So sometimes we would just start there where it was just like press into the wall and that press into the wall with the hands helped to encourage the ribs down position, which is why we did that. So you press into the wall, you press your ribs down. You don't necessarily need to try to press your lower back into the floor, but it's going to naturally bring your lower back closer to the floor in order to get you a little bit more stacked. And then we try to breathe from there. So the first thing we would do is if, if that was challenging to get into, we would just have people hold that position and just take some deep breaths. And you're trying to think about breathing into your midsection. So into your ribs, into your belly, kind of expanding in a 360 degree way throughout your midsection. And as you inhale, you're filling that area. And as you exhale, you're letting it out. And that alone can be extremely challenging, but it's going to help people be able to exist in this positioning because when we are learning something new and especially like a new position, the first thing we want to be able to do is breathe in it because if we're doing it, but we're holding our breath and we're really struggling, we're not actually owning that position and we're not actually letting our bodies learn how to be in that position. We're forcing it into that position. Yeah. Being able to maintain this stacked position, create tension and brace through your core and breathe on top of it is actually a really, really difficult skill. Yeah. And this is a concept that we first got introduced to um, by Pavel Tsatsulin over at Strong First. He, he owns a, like a kettlebell certification. And he talks about this as breathing behind the shield. And we talked about this to our members because they would say, this is really hard, but I also feel like I'm not doing much of yeah. anything, but it's <laughs> so hard. And we would tell them like, this is actually a very difficult skill to learn. But once you do learn it, you're going to be able to apply it to higher rep sets of squats, higher rep sets of deadlifts and swings because it's such an important skill to be able to breathe while bracing in this manner. And so it is going to be difficult at first to have this like feeling that you're almost like constricting yourself, but then you also have to breathe behind it, but it is going to feel easier and easier and it's going to lend itself well to a lot of stability down the line. Yeah, one of my favorite ways that he used to describe that was breathing while someone really heavy is sitting on your stomach yeah. <laughs> which is like a funny scenario to consider <laughs> but like it actually really does help because if somebody really heavy sits on you you have to 
tense up. Tense up, yeah. You, you can't just like relax. They're going to squish you. So you tense up, but then also you have to breathe. Yeah. So it really is like that That visual really helps or, or like thinking about that actual scenario really does help you understand what that what that um, dichotomy basically is between being tense but also breathing at the same time. Yeah, and by heavy, like even our four-year-old toddler yeah. <laughs> would feel heavy in that position. Yeah, exactly. And then the way that we would progress that breathing exercise is to then go into wall marching. So that would be just like wall breathing with your hands pressed into the wall. Then we would go hands pressed into the wall, rib cage down, breathe. And then we would march one foot out toward the floor and then pull it back in. And then the other foot out toward the floor and pull it back in. And you can start this with your knees bent. So it's just a very uh, short lever. And so it's not as challenging to bring that leg away from your from your midline. And then as you progress, you can start to straighten your leg out a little bit more and a little bit more. And the more you straighten out your leg, the harder it is to control because your body is further away from your from your center of mass. Yeah. And as you're doing it, like if you're doing it haphazardly and kind of doing it really quickly and going through the motion, it could feel easy. Yeah. But even for Lauren and I, who have done this hundreds and hundreds of times, if we were to do it right now and use maximal mindful, like tension and contraction, we'd be shaking a lot. Yeah. And this is something that we use with high-level CrossFitters, people that are very fit but still need a little bit extra just awareness in that in their midsection. It's it's just so important to do. And if you're not really feeling it, it's because you're not taking the time to set up, <laughs> be mindful, and be intentional with this movement. Yeah, for sure. So that is a great way to start to both like learn the position and train the position. So it's kind of a, it's a combination of just understanding where your body is in space, but also training your body to be able to maintain that positioning while, while starting to challenge it by moving your limbs basically. Yeah, exactly. And then we progress into things like dead bugs where they're bracing now without the wall, but achieving a very similar pattern and then go into planks and stuff like that, where the whole goal is to keep that rib cage over their pelvis. And this is why you see often people doing push-ups or planks and their lower back starts to sag right away and they get into this position where they feel their backs more than they do their core. It's because they haven't done a lot of this more positional work like wall marching and dead bugs to get them prepared for those more advanced variations. Yeah, especially push-ups. I hear so many people say that their upper bodies are weak, so they're not good at push-ups. And it's almost never an upper body issue. It's almost always a a core control issue and a trunk stability issue. Um, But people don't recognize that because it seems at face value a push-up is an upper body exercise but it's really not like it's a core exercise i think at its core (laughs) (laughs) and your arms are just kind of like transferring the load but you really need to be able to brace and stay connected in order to be successful at it all right let's move on to number four so number four is to lift in minimal shoes or no shoes yeah this one is actually very sneakily underrated and i feel like Half the answers in our Rise Facebook group is like when people are asking about their squat form or deadlift form or whatever, it's always like, you know, this looks really good, but I think it could look better if you wore minimal shoes or went barefoot because oftentimes people, when they are strength training, they wear their running shoes or shoes that are just a little bit thicker sold. And when that happens, you are not only pushing into a platform that is kind of soft and cushy, which presents energy leaks and stuff like that, but it also tips your center of mass forward. So think about 
basically always being on a heel lift that is soft and cushy. And it's just a not good platform to be stable or to be able to transfer energy into the floor with. And so when people go to squat with that sort of platform or deadlift with that sort of platform, inevitably, they're going to be in this sort of forward weight shift position where their torso starts to dip forward or their hips start to shoot up or their heels actually lift up even more because they can't feel the ground. Like all these sort of compensatory patterns happen because they can't really feel the floor and feel grounded with the floor. And so it's one of the first things that we always recommend with people is either try to go barefoot or wear socks or if your gym doesn't allow it or if you just don't feel comfortable with that, get a pair of really minimal shoes to minimize the distance from your foot to the ground and make sure that the uh, material isn't just like really soft and cushy and comfortable material so that you can actually push into the floor firmly on your deadlifts, your squats, your lunges, and feel like all that energy is transferring directly into the ground rather than dissipating on a soft, cushy surface. Yeah, exactly. We've done, we did a uh, <laughs> an Instagram post about this and Jason actually strapped pillows to his feet and was like, lifting in cushy shoes is like deadlifting with pillows strapped to your feet. And it was like, actually very funny. Um, but it's so true. And like you... When you're lifting that way with those big running shoes, you don't actually think that anything's really going on because it feels normal. And then when you actually get out of those heavy shoes and lift with where like your heels can feel the ground, it's completely different. Like it changes everything about how the lift feels, how strong you feel, how stable you feel, how balanced you feel. And it really makes a massive impact. So it is a something that you can't really understand getting the gains from until you just do it. Yeah. Our favorite pair, this isn't even an ad for them. Our favorite <laughs> pair of minimalist shoes are from Vivo Barefoot, but use code PAC10 if you do happen to <laughs> order your pair of Vivo Barefoots. Um, for 10% off. For 10% off your entire order. But those are definitely going to be the most minimal pair of shoes that you can really buy and they're also very sleek looking but if you want to look at other shoes as well there's Reebok Nanos, Nike Metcons, Merrill has some so there's a whole bunch of different companies that have minimalist shoes check some figure out which ones you like the best and go from there but we definitely do really like Vivo Barefoot. Yeah. One other thing is that we talk a lot about single leg training and multi-planar training and things where you're you need to be able to stabilize and balance on one foot. And that's another area where, especially when people were first learning those single leg movements, we would always have them either take off their shoes or make sure that they're in minimal shoes because it's so hard to feel the floor and to be able to balance on a big cushy shoe. And I always um, related it to handstands because as a gymnast, like I know that if I put my hands in a big shoe or is something like squishy under my hands, there's no way I could balance. <laughs> I mean, it would take a long time to figure it out and it would never feel as strong or as stable as when I just can grip the ground with my hand. And the same thing goes with your feet. It's the same idea that you want to be able to not necessarily grip the ground, but be able to feel the floor underneath you because you're able to then figure out the, your foot intrinsics start to come into play and you're able to actually figure out what really feels balanced as opposed to fighting against something that's trying to put you off balance. You know, that's so true. I wish I had, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, pictures of my feet <laughs> from, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, because I used to have the flattest like cinder block feet of all time. They were yeah. so wide and flat. <laughs> and I used to wear like big 
basketball shoes like a lot, like Iversons and Jordans. I would wear these big basketball shoes. And when I finally made the switch to what at the time was one of the most like newest barefoot shoes, which were New Balance Minimus, like it made a huge difference. And I would do that in conjunction with mobility work and single leg work. And over time that my my foot got less and less flat and now I'm able to develop like a pretty decent arch from it. But I mean, people people would make fun of my flat feet. Like when we were at a pool and I'm walking around and everyone has like their like cute little pointed like like their <laughs> footprints and I'm just like stomping around with my cinder block feet like splash, splash, splash. And they're like, what is your foot, dude? Anyway, r- random sidebar. <laughs> but that's true. It really does help you to just be able to... <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> the visual of me splashing around. <laughs> I'm knocking over my water bottle. Oh my god, I'm actually spilling water. Okay. <laughs> wow, Jason really threw me off with his foot tails. <laughs> my foot tails. <laughs> oh, my sock is all wet. Now. Oh no! This is such a disaster. Okay. <laughs> Another sidebar: Lauren hates. Anything to do with less than the perfect socks. Who would like a wet sock? A wet sock. Um, oh my gosh. You and your half on, half off socks. So I wear um, like these, uh, like the no-show no show socks. And oftentimes they are not as grippy in the back heel as I would like. I've recently upgraded my socks to Bombas and Roan also makes socks. So those are the two socks I wear now. But before, no-show socks from like... Banana Republic or J Crew, they would just fall off my heel. It would happen so often, but I couldn't bring myself to wear socks that like really showed because I usually wear pretty low profile shoes. <laughs> but I couldn't just like, I couldn't constantly go and do it. So I got used to this feeling of the sock being underneath my heel. Oh, I'm squirming. And Lauren, <laughs> the ick that she would get was outrageous. And I understand, but I was like, I, I can't just every five seconds go and you know, pick the heel back up off onto my heel. If my sock slips under my foot once, I change my socks. There's no <laughs> chance that I'm risking the entire day of potentially having my sock. And every single time it happens, I'm taking my shoe off. I'm fixing the sock. There's absolutely no way. You would just get on, like at the end of the day, we'd just like get on the couch and you put your feet up and I'm like, your socks are half <laughs> on. That is horrifying. <laughs> now what I'll do is while we're watching Netflix or whatever, I'll just take one sock heel and lightly pull it off of lauren's heel and she just glares at me it's it's horrible sometimes you if you like catch me in the zone you try to like do it to like and see if i'll notice i'm like i'm never not gonna notice i don't i don't think anyone's gonna be with me in this one (laughs) yeah you you got a couple people with your claw but i don't think you're gonna get anyone with a half on half off socks for sure okay this one we really took that for a ride but minimal shoes wear them Get out of your big clunky shoes and get yourself some minimal shoes. Or if you lift at home, lift in socks and enjoy the gains. Yeah. All right. That brings us to number five. This one is going to be a surprise, I bet, to a lot of people because it's not necessarily a mental thing. It's not necessarily a physical thing. It's to film yourself lifting, which doesn't seem like it might some give of you, you instant gains. Some of you are probably cringing. You got the ick. Because, I mean, right now there's this whole like trend of bashing like fitness creators in the gym because they are filming themselves and people are in the background. They don't want to see that. And like people are attacking them because of their filming and all this sort of stuff. But before this whole like influencer thing came about, 
people fill their lifts all the time because it's so helpful to be able to zoom out for a second. Like even if you have a mirror in front of you, it's really hard to see a lot of those details until you slow it down on a video that's perfectly positioned to the side, making sure that your hips aren't shooting up or your torso isn't coming forward or your knees aren't caving in or your heels are lifting up. Like oftentimes when you are under a heavy load, you're just trying to survive. And so it's really helpful after the fact to be like, okay, let me just observe my lift and just sort of see if I can tweak some things to make an impact uh, on the next set. Yeah. And this was so instrumental for me in terms of my Olympic lifting, like Olympic lifting, kettlebell training, like things where you have to move a little bit quicker and you can't really like micromanage each portion of the lift. It, this this is where it can be so helpful to uh, film yourself as well. So if you are getting into Olympic lifting or kettlebell training or even explosive training like barbell push presses and stuff like that. It's just so helpful to understand how your bar path is and how your body mechanics are by slowing things down using your phone. Yeah. Do you do you still have that video of your first kettlebell swings? I still do, yeah. So we should post that on stories because we learned kettlebell swings actually from – we worked with a virtual coach. Oh, yeah. So we – and this was before virtual coaching was even a thing. We like asked him to coach us. This was like – 2010. I don't even know how we decided to do this. Yeah. 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 It was probably, I think it was 2009, but we found somebody that we really respected that we wanted to be our coach. And so we were like, will you just like watch, uh, like train us via videos on our phone? And so we started recording ourselves doing swings and then he would give us feedback. And the initial (laughs) set of swings that Jason did was so like egregiously bad. (laughs) It was very aggressively bad. (laughs) But there's no way that we could have learned, even if we got a lot of like corrections without filming ourselves. It's a, it's so hard to be able to implement those things when you can't see what's actually happening. Yeah. So if you're just hearing like um, stand up taller, but you can't see the fact that your neck is just like shooting forward every <laughs> single time, it just doesn't really resonate. Like you don't understand. You think like I am, I'm doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And you sometimes it takes seeing it to be like, and then the somebody's pointing out like, this is what you look like. This is how we want it to look. And and just helping to actually be able to visualize the things that people are, the feedback that people are giving you. There's nothing like being able to watch yourself. Yeah. And this is something that we often tell our risers as well. If like, if you're unsure of a lift, videotape it, post it up on the group and you'll get some feedback on how to uh, help yourself out as well. So if you have a coach or if you have a community that you can sort of like, I don't know, give feedback to one another, it can be really helpful. And this is what runners do, golfers do, swimmers do. Like there's all sorts of tools and apps out there where people analyze their form on these highly technical things. And yeah, I just really, I wish there wasn't this a whole stigma these <laughs> days about filming yourself at the gym, but I just think it's such a helpful tool to be able to um, to utilize to impact your form. And then also another cool little thing is that you know, you'll be scrolling through your phone like to find a certain picture or video and you'll come across a lift that you used to do two years ago and you're like, oh, wow, my form is so much better. Yeah. I'm so much stronger. Like you just have a cool comparison to look back onto and that's another side benefit of having some footage of you actually lifting from before. Yeah, I think about Courtney from the Rise Group because she's been with us for so long and yeah. she was, she was she's always been really strong, but she posted a side-by-side of like me squatting in 2019 versus now and like she was strong in both but the improvements in form 
were incredible. Like yeah. it looked, it was just looked so much stronger, more stable. She was more confident. And she was like, I'm so in the post. She's like, I'm so glad I have this video because now I can actually see it's not just about like how much more weight I've added to the bar, but it's also just about my confidence, my form, my technique, all of these things that I've improved upon that aren't as tangible to see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But having that thing to go reference is really cool. Yeah. And also it helps, it helps like, I feel like oftentimes some people will say, oh, well, I haven't like really gotten stronger. I haven't added that much more weight. But then we've, we'll see some posts where people will put up a side by side and be like, okay, I haven't had it added that much weight, but look how much lower I'm getting in my squat. Look yeah. how much faster I'm lifting the same amount of weight. Like these are still big improvements. They're just improvements in technique and speed and things like that. And again, yeah, it just helps you to track the unmeasurables and like yeah. the intangibles. Yeah. Now, taking it back to the controversy about filming in the gym, I really just think it's all about just being respectful of people around you. So making sure that like, I think that one of the reasons that people get really up in arms about it is because there are influencers who will like roll their eyes if somebody walks in front of their camera. (laughs) And it's like, this is not your personal gym. You're lifting. Everybody has like your video doesn't come above somebody else's like ability to move through the space. Right, yeah. So that's where it's like, as long as you're going to be respectful of everybody around you, if somebody says, oh, can you not film because, I, or can you change the angle because I don't want to be in the background? Your response is absolutely yeah. <laughs> not like annoyed, not, you know, like, so it's just about being respectful to everybody around you, trying to film in a way that is not taking like making other people feel uncomfortable or taking up so much space that people feel like they can't work in that area. That's all it is. And really just what what we usually do is just put a water bottle down and then uh, lean your phone up against your water bottle. So you don't have to like bring a tripod to the gym. <laughs> like you don't have to make it a big scene or you can put it up against a, a weight or something like that. But it's just an, a discreet way of filming for your for your eyes only, essentially. Yeah, they um, I feel like there's all sorts of cool like little tools now. Like I think it's like a pop socket, but it's magnetic. Oh, so yeah, it can I stick to like a squat rack. Like cool. those are pretty cool. And one other tip is to just film in 0.5, like the wide angle mode. Mm-hmm. So you can keep that phone in really close to you and not have it be like in people's way or like possibly restrict people from crossing uh, in front of it. Yeah. So yeah, just be respectful when you are filming yourself or if you work at a home, obviously that's easy. But um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's worth it to be able to look at your lift, analyze it, see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen in the mirror in front of you from the side. Because, I mean, there are things that we say, like, for example, for squats, like we want to see, we want the bar cap, the end of the bar to be over the midfoot for the entire lift. There's actually literally no way to see that unless somebody's watching you or you're filming it from yeah. the side. So you want to have the, like try to be intentional about that as you're going through the squat, but you just don't know unless you see it. Yeah, I mean, even for, like, when we're filming content, Lauren's always like, like, oh, hey, uh, and this is a recurring issue for my back <laughs> squat. My left shoulder tends to dip down and forward more often, and she'll often tell me to pull it back. And, you know, when we are lifting next to each other, we're often being like, oh, hey, is my positioning okay here? How's the bar path here? What's going on? And, like, yeah, it's just helpful to have, if you videotape yourself like an extra set of eyes to keep yourself honest. Yeah. All right. So that was five secrets. It wasn't secrets. What are they? Five tips tips (laughs) (laughs) that you might have not known about that are going to instantly boost your gains. Boom. Let us know if you like these sort of 
numbered list type of post. <laughs> um, I feel like it is really easily digestible. It's actually really helpful for us as well to just have like... Instead of like one big topic, we can like do it's kind of like the q a like basically what we're saying is we don't want to talk for an hour on one thing because <laughs> we get bored and you probably do too so yeah it's nice to just have like an overarching topic but then break it up into tips or into sections that um make it a little bit more di- digestible and a little easier for us to put an episode together yeah exactly so if you don't like it Oh, well. Too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Yeah, no, we always love your feedback. We really appreciate when you give us feedback at Reasonably Fit Pod on Instagram. And of course, when we get reviews on Apple Podcasts or ratings on wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep those coming. We love you for them. That's about it for today. Yeah. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. Woo.